We are recording now. Yay. Test one, two. Test one, two. I am registering. Test one, two. Yep, you're registering too. Excellent. Excellent. Hi, this is Rhett from Stack of Dice. I'm the DM, and with me is... Thane Moeller. Thane. Stop, stop. Hi, this is Rhett, the DM for Stack of Dice, and with me is... Thane. I play Peter Greyhawk. Excellent, and we are going to... I think this is going to be our first official Creation Corner episode that we're going to share. And so basically, uh, since this is our first, I just want to lay out a couple of things to describe what this is all about. In the, if you'll remember in the introductory episode, I mentioned that we wanted to have actual play episodes and then another kind of parallel series called Creation Corner, where we were going to share our process for how we come up with ideas and all that sort of thing. And so expect a rougher feel to the audio. We're not going to do any touching up, really. And we're going to just basically bounce ideas. This is expected to be a messy process. It's expected to be a, a back and forth. And uh, apparently we have a kitten climbing up in Thane's lap. That's excellent. She wants to see what all this recording thing is about. <laughs> and so we are just going to share some ideas. And today we're going to focus on starting to flesh out a country. We haven't really spent a lot of time here, have we? No, I don't, no, I don't believe we have. No, I don't believe we have. And this country is Rindis. Oh, yeah, Rindis. And so, uh, yeah, basically, we're going to go through a a list. If we get through everything in the hour or so that we're going to be doing this, that's fine. If not, we can just come back and do some more thinking in this area, and I'm sure we're going to have to do that. So, uh, really, let's start by talking about our inspiration. What was the inspiration behind Rindis? As we were looking at the map what did you see Rindus as being? Vikings. You want to elaborate on that? Vikings and Norse and snow. And it was just a peninsula. And that's because of its location, right? In the world? It's... Yeah. It's to the northeast, right? Northeast. Mm-hmm. And it just it's just this peninsula that sticks up off of the continent of Edelin. And it, we, we both looked at it and just thought, that's, per, that's a perfect Scandinavian country you know with just battered by storms uh, battered by uh storms from the sea it's like the whole country was white on the map mm-hmm. because of this because of just how far north it was and it it just looked like a perfect place to just stick our vikings and the good news is if you go to our wiki and we'll have the location in the show notes there is a page set up for rindis and it also has an inset map that i took I took the overall map that I created that started this whole crazy thing and chopped out the Rindus bit and then stuck it into a little inset on the page. So if you, if you want to see what we're talking about, you can go there and check it out again, check the show notes for that information. But the inspiration of the country was really, we thought, you know, it'd be neat to have a place where players could go if they choose to, that has that old Viking adventurous feel. Definitely. And what kinds of things are you looking forward to with this country? Does anything come to mind? Um, I guess just 
Well, I well thing thing is we haven't really explored. We haven't really talked about this country in depth, so I don't really know what to expect. So hopefully by the end of this episode, I'll be like, let's go to Rindis right now. <laughs> and uh, let's see here. I was gonna go somewhere with that. Oh yeah, what in any of these country creation corner episodes, we're we're merely trying to get the flavor. We're not making any commentary. We're not drawing upon actual history. We're just using some of a region in our world here on earth as almost like a kind of a template ish, very lightly, very yeah. lightly. And so, you know, if we don't hew exactly to your experience, if you live in one of these countries, we're not trying to recreate your country. We're just trying to use a little bit of the flavor to give the players in the game a place to move around and to experience new things. I, I've never played in a, for instance, in a and d campaign where we went to a desert country or went to a jungle country. And so this is going to be new for me also. Yeah. Just, just kind of, uh, we, we styled each country after a certain region in the world just to kind of make it feel like there's some diversity in the world. Because, you know, lots of Dungeons & Dragons set, or just lots of fantasy settings, period, just take, play, where, or take place in worlds where everything is loosely the same and just kind of makes the world seem flat. A little too homogenous. Definitely. Yeah. And so, yeah, we wanted to give the sense, just like if you were to hop on a plane here and fly over to, let's say, Morocco, it would be a very different feel than here in Maryland. So uh, we want to give that sense of this is a big world with a lot of different cultures and things happening. And so, yeah, as we talk about these countries, we want to stress the fact that we're, again, we're not trying to satirize or anything like that. We're just trying to give flavor and hopefully that will add something to our game. So the first basic topic that I want to talk about is the geography. We talked a little bit about battered sea coasts and all that kind of stuff. Uh, in the map that I made again, I, I don't know if I mentioned this previously, but this all started, <laughs> this whole crazy thing started, uh, when I picked up, uh, the Adobe creative suite last year and started playing around with it. And I thought, well, you know what, let me uh, find a tutorial on how to make a map. And so I made a map in Photoshop using this tutorial off of the cartographers guild and man, I brought it home and we both just went crazy with it. Mm -hmm. I told at the time I told Thane, Hey, listen, you know, I, this was my first try. We can just, throw it away and, and do one. We can do one, uh, you know, that just, uh, I, I can build on what I did in the first one and make it feel a little bit better. And then said, no, do it. Do yeah. not touch this. Leave it alone. Yeah. Dad brought the map home and was like, yeah, we're, we can do something with this, but I, I plan to make a, a different, better map. Um, later. And I said, this is perfectly fine. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it seemed, I seem to recall that it was a little more emphatic than that, but you know what? It's all the same. We, as we got going in all the talking about it and breaking it up into countries and stuff, we got more and more excited. And so basically that very first map became Vardalon or at least Edelin. Yeah. So Vardalon is the world. Edelin is the continent in which 
the game is occurring right now. Um, yeah, so let's talk about geography. What do you have in mind with geography? Um, I kind of see Rindis as maybe mountainous or like maybe there are some stretches where it's like incredibly craggy and mountainous and then there are some areas where it's just flat open tundras um and then of course the i the sea co- the coast is just kind of like stone beaches with these gray waves uh crashing upon them now we could do we could pattern it more after actual Norway with the, um, a lot of the mountains actually run right down to the water's edge. I and mean, it's just, it's not, they descend gently and then there's a, there's a shoreline and it goes right out to the water. Some of these, I mean, you have your fjords. I mean, it's actual cuts in the rock that go up into the country. Uh, so we could have it maybe the further North you go, the, the rockier it gets. That sounds good to me. And so you have some really dramatic coastlines with with cuts and gouges in the earth and everything that really carve up the land and make it hard to travel from straight line distances from one point to another. Mm -hmm. Um, And I also see the further south you go, the flatter the land gets until it joins up with the mainland of Edelin. And that's where you get some of that connecting land where before it gets into the highland area with all the crags and rocks that you were talking about, uh, there's this transition zone between northern Vondhide and that really rocky part that we're imagining Rindus to be. I don't know. Do you have anything else? Is it also kind of like a spine going up the peninsula where the closer you get towards the middle of the peninsula, east to west, the higher it gets? Yeah, that was kind of how I was imagining it. Um, we don't really have the map with us right now, so I can't really. Yeah, we're see. winging this. This yeah. everything that you are hearing is us just making this up completely out of our heads. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I was kind of imagining it with just this um, kind of this is you know this spine kind of like we could come up with the name of it later, maybe yeah. if we want to do that. Um, but yeah, I was just kind of thinking of this spine that just kind of runs up the whole peninsula, and then when it gets wider, the further out you go, like out up the peninsula. The further north you go, the wider the peninsula gets? No, the, 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 the wider the spine gets. I see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the further down my list of topics, I do have leadership, but I think this is a good time to actually insert this point. Uh, because the geography is actually going to have a lot to do with how the country is run. Do you, do you follow me? Mm-hmm. Why is that? Well, I mean... Why would geography shape how the country is run? Because, you know, the way you divide up land is based off of geography, and so... So land division, yeah, what so, else? So, um, How about managing the land? Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, like, I mean, especially, like, I can't see Rendis being ruled by a solitary ruler because the mountains make it very difficult to even just go from, from, like, from east to west. 
and also north. I mean, I from mean, one side of a fjord to the other, it's a you're talking about a day long travel just to cut in enough during the day to come around and come basically come right across the way. Yeah. So we might have skilled bridge builders, or we might have uh, people who use boats to travel, even though it's a short distance. By necessity, for trade purposes, they're having to use boats to ferry from one city to another, north and south. And then uh, I would also assume that a lot of cities are built close to the shoreline because of the rough terrain. Yeah. And that way they're more accessible by water. By boat, Mm -hmm. which um, because we're basing this off of Vikings and also just the fact that they're so very coastal, like boats are their main staple. Okay, so that we can say that they're skilled craftsmen, they're skilled uh, shipwrights. Yeah, shipwrights. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. And um, so, as far as leadership goes, then how do how do we want to do this? Do we want to look at it as maybe very localized, regional, almost clannish? Yeah, tribes or clans or something like that. And, may, and maybe there's like some central holy location where the elders of each tribe clan thing meet to discuss like major nation like nationwide issues now like war yeah when we played the foundational game to this the one with your character and my daughter Rhiannon's character uh where we were playing actually well before the events taking place in the stack of dice campaign uh we had a friend of ours, Brandon, come in and play a, char- a couple characters, but one in particular, he was a, a cleric. And he ended up leaving the party. Brandon was not able to play for more than a couple games, I think. Mm-hmm. But he left the party and went back to Rinda's, because that's where we had him come from. And uh, the shrine that we made up, uh, if I remember correctly, it was eastern coast of Rinda's and further up the coast. Uh, but basically, we called it the Shrine of the Scouring Wind. Something like that. It's but very I see that as being more, it, it was a small, very isolated place. Not central like a lot of these leaders would probably oh, yeah. want. So let's come up with something that's more central to everything. So what what kind of holy site, what kind of location do you foresee? It, it could be a cave. Maybe and, a cave. Traditionally, caves are well-known places uh, they're they're mysterious they're ancient um maybe earlier tribes like the proto rindismen i think we call them rindismen yeah, rindismen uh lived in this cave and it had some kind of holy resonance or something that that tied it maybe there's a what if there's a um an underwater passage out to the ocean so even though it's located in the middle of the peninsula how about a like this giant tunnel underwater that connects from this cave out to the ocean and it could be miles and miles and miles long and maybe even have branching passages off of it and stuff but the effect is you have ocean water that actually surges under the peninsula and right uh, raises and lowers with the tides and so you have this mystical pool that tastes like ocean water instead of fresh water like you would expect inland. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. who knows, may, maybe something like that or an ancient fortress. Or... Yeah, I was actually going to suggest like some sort of um, hall, 
like feasting hall or something like that, built during the Golden Age that was rediscovered. It's it's, it's semi-ruined. Yeah, we're calling it the Age of Harmony now. Age of Harmony. Yeah. Okay. Um, but kind of like one, one of those Norse feasting halls. Kind of like Heorot from Beowulf. Yeah, something like that. Or like the feasting hall in Sovngarde in Skyrim. Something along those lines where it, 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 it holds legend or mythic value and and so and it's it's also kind of a holy site to the rindisman so maybe it could actually be built above this cave or cavern what do you think of something like that yes and then at at intervals throughout either the the on a daily basis or maybe even on an annual basis depending on position of the sun in relation to the world you could have you could hear within the hall the crashing sound of the ocean, even though, again, even though you're in the middle of the peninsula, you hear the ocean. Something like that. That sounds really good to me. <clears throat> and so you have this centralized location, north-south, east-west, where it's it's kind of like the, the gathering place of the clan heads the tribe heads i i don't know what do we want to call a division of rindisman i'm thinking clans we can go with clans and so you have uh these people that gather would it be the clan leader plus maybe a small collection of his bravest warriors that kind of thing i was i was thinking maybe um once once like a quarter of the year um like the clan head goes plus like like maybe they have some sort of shaman or medicine man or well medicine man is hmm you could have somebody who is in contact with the gods something yeah someone like that uh so the clan head um prophet of some sort and then just like the, the a personal bodyguard to go with them in case of bear attacks because that's a thing Maybe. All right. Uh, And so you have this very geographically distributed population, but they tend to be towards the outer edges of the peninsula. And so that leaves the the central spine area, partly because it's so rugged and partly because it's not near the easier access routes of the ocean surrounding it. Um, You have a very uninhabited corridor running north to south along the peninsula that's what i'm understanding yeah exactly and so um hmm. what are the people like what what do they value well i would probably say stuff you know stuff like bravery endurance do they do things like keep track of how many people they've killed or how many settlements they've raided or amount of gold they've collected, that kind of stuff? Well, I mean, if, if we're going to do kind of like a warrior raider right, um, country, then I would assume maybe stuff like, you know, kills, you know, kills made and... How do, they, how do they display that? How know, do they show that to, off? Yeah. Just about to uh, think about that. Maybe... I I'm suggesting maybe ritualistic scarring, scarring, tattooing, scarring. I mean, maybe tattooing. 
I can't really think of. Hmm. Maybe they. Maybe each warrior has a like. Uh, the warriors have like a special headdress, and you put a feather in it for every person you've killed. I suppose that's possible. Um, hmm. I was also kind of wanting to ask, because like, um, maybe in each country there's like one specific ra- Dungeons and the Dragons race that's dominant there, and I, at first I want to say dwarves, but that just seems too stereotypical. I don't think so. I don't think it does. Uh, it's very mountainous, which very mountainous. is in line with, uh, you know, the obvious heritage, the the mountain dwelling part of the dwarves. You have mountain dwarves. And I think it makes sense that Rendus would be basically dwarf central. Obviously they're scattered elsewhere. I was also kind of thinking dark elves because I'm going to stop you there. Okay. Uh, obviously the, uh, the, uh, the, the dark elves are something taken from Norse mythology, uh, but I'm going to stop you there because I have some other things in mind for races. So hold off on that. I, I hate to do that. I know this Man. is this is killing the uh, the creative vibe. But I have some definite plans for some of the stuff. You, you'll notice that so far in Vardalon, in Edelin, you've only run across humans and the dwarves. And there's a reason for that. Oh, boy. <laughs> Uh, so do we then have issues with clans going to war with each other? Is it a divided divisive environment or do they fairly well stick to each other? And then their outlet is raiding other countries and other ships out on the water. I have a feeling maybe it's kind of both. Maybe there is a little bit of tension between clans as there usually is in almost any clan based, um, organization but may, but maybe like the the clan prestige is determined by how by like how many villages they like how many outside settlements they raid or s- something along those lines or perhaps the chief gains status based on the amount of land he owns the settlements under his control indicates how big of a welcome he gets at this annual or periodic meeting of the clans. True. Um, I, I have, I don't really know whether or not we're going to actually incorporate this, but I'm just going to yeah, this try is this all, anyway. Yeah. Um, what if there was like some sort of, like maybe each clan chief, has a certain amount of say based off of how many villages he and his warriors raid. And the more villages you raid, like, the more power you hold. And then, like, at the like at the beginning of each year, like, however much power each chief has is reset. And so, like, you know, throughout the year, one chief may really start like they really rack up power but to keep him from just constant not constantly going up and up at the beginning of each year like everyone's just set back to zero maybe of course it's a, it's a bit of a long stretch and i'll I, well it's I it's all thinking i mean we're we're throwing ideas out and some of them will stick and some of them won't and that's fine we're just shooting ideas around 
Um, I like the idea of almost like a tiered leadership where there's something that sets the really powerful leaders apart from say the ones who have almost nothing or they're the last end of a legacy or something like that. Uh, you, you could have decayed houses where this tribe is on the brink of extinction and that's when the nearby chief comes in and takes over mm-hmm. and adds to his own prestige. Uh, and eventually, I mean, obviously I think the inevitable conclusion is that eventually there's going to be one or two powerful chiefs that own all of Rindis. And then there's the potential for a giant civil war. Yeah. So, um, you know, being the warriors that the Rindis men are, maybe there's just constant internal struggle, but it's almost organized in a sense where, where I, I guess maybe, you know, clans are, are often, they're susceptible to raids by others, by other clans constantly. And, but then, but then of course, you know, one clan has to be wary if they're on a conquering spree, you know, taking over all sorts of other clans, because of course, all the other clans notice and might band up against you, so... Mm-hmm. That kind of keeps the big ones in check. And I also think that this would have some interesting repercussions to other countries where they are actually encouraging and rooting for them to fight against each other. Because as long as they're fighting each other, they're not attacking our shipping. They're not causing problems in our country. So there might be (laughs) actually a lot of agents being sent from Vondhide and Kazara uh, and other countries to go in and infiltrate and, and basically stir up dissension among them. So you might have an awful lot of intrigue going on, trying to pit the various chiefs against each other. Yeah, that, that makes, that could make for an interesting sub adventure. Maybe trying to, maybe, you know, we happen to be up in Rindus and then, uh, he, you know, some stranger arrives in town and then suddenly there's whispers of, you know, declaring war on another clan, and so we have to try and figure out what's going on. And, and that would and almost actually um, basically make Rindisman very suspicious of outsiders. If they don't oh, know who yeah. you are, then it becomes a very closed environment, and so you're suddenly regarded with suspicion simply because you are not from Rindis. So you could have some very almost paranoid people here, uh, so I, I love this process between you and me because it opens doors. It, it gets us thinking in interesting different ways. Again, we have not prepared any of this. We're all just throwing ideas. And as we go, it's building. And that's why I love this creation buddy approach because with two people, you know, you're just really batting around ideas. If you're doing it by yourself, you're going to think about the things you know about. But with additional insights, you're going to come up with new and interesting things that you'd never thought before. And so, um, yeah, it, uh, it's interesting to think along these lines, to think about progression of time and the effects that what one part of a country will have on another and even the countries around it. That's, that's really neat to me. So what is Rindus's role in the world? What does Rindus do? Obviously there's a lot of rating. What else? Uh, well, I mean, Rindus is viewed with interest and fear because one, they're, they're just 
their warrior skills are unmatched. Their ships are are amazing, being able to traverse not only the open sea, but also the uh, the fjords within their own within their own country, and maybe even the shallower rivers um, in other nations, much like the Vikings in the Dark Ages. And so their their ship, you know, their, their ship secrets are highly guarded, but also highly valued by uh, by outsiders. And we could even go with uh, the fact that Rindisman are actually, they will destroy their own ship and go down with it, then allow it to fall into some other nation's hands. Definitely. And that way you've got, maybe this leads into ideas about stories or uh, uh, maybe legends within the country of famous heroes who fought to the last breath. And then as they realized that there was nothing left to do, they punched a hole in the bottom of their ship and valiantly clung to the mast as it went down uh the wave closing over them all that kind of stuff where where they just there's no tomb for them they're only preserved in the memory of the people the sea is their grave Mm -hmm. and so maybe there are annual offerings to the ocean where the people go and offer something of value and we can come back to that at some other point where they are offering thanks to the ocean for the protection it provides them as well as uh, appeasement for the spirits who are, who lie at at the bottom maybe like so maybe maybe there could be some legend about the lost blade of oh make it a Ith, quick Ith, Ithandir. <laughs> um you know some some ancient warrior who was you know this amazing warrior on the sea and he he got attacked and had no chance of winning, so he just went down with his ship, he, his ship, and his sword. And so maybe it's it's like this possibly magical blade that Peter could get. <laughs> oh, Peter. Yeah, you know me, the warrior type. Well, this leads rather naturally into the stories section. We're skipping all over my list here, and that's fine. Again, I said this was going to be messy, and we're proving that true. Uh, there is a body in Scandinavian literature known as the Eddas. And I really want to do some more reading. So I have a strong feeling that we're either going to revisit in a second creation corner episode, or just do a lot of wiki work to fill in the stuff that we're talking about. Um, but I'd love to read the Eddas and go through and see how they arrange their histories and, um, really see what we could do to build an oral or even written history of Rindis. The, the tales of the great adventurers, the, the, mm, the, the crazy voyages they go on as they go to uh, discover new things. Um, it'd be interesting to see what we could come up with in regard to that. Um, going back to the role in the world, I see maybe the further south you go in Rindis, the more trade-focused it is they have to live more at peace with the countries they're connected to because there's nothing to stop invasion. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, and so what kinds of goods might they sell more craftsmen, uh, craftsmen type goods, wooden things where they're fish, a, a lot of fish. Sure. Um, hmm. Well, if there are dwarf, if there's a heavy dwarf presence in the country, then there would be dwarven goods, stone and metal. All right. Um, Clothing? Yes. And colorful clothing. Yeah, excellent. 
And I'm, I'm thinking in my mind of the Laps, the Laplanders uh, from the northern Scandinavian countries where they are, they wear these super colorful clothing, a lot of primary colors in them. Yeah. And uh, that would be neat to draw into this, that flavor again. Um, so we, we can always come back to this and flesh it out more later. How about language? Do we have almost a Germanic sounding language? Yeah, I would I would say very Germanic, very coarse, but it's also very poetic. Very straightforward. Yeah, straightforward, but oddly metaphorical. And in manner of speaking, you know, we tend to carry our language habits with us when we speak in another tongue. Uh, maybe you can tell a, a Rindisman from the fact that he starts with the business first. Definitely. So when they start talking to you, especially with merchants, when they start talking, there's no pleasantries. It's, I have this, you have this, let's make a deal. (laughs) And then once business is concluded, hopefully in favor of all parties, then it's time for the pleasantries. Then it's time for the exchange of courtesies and everything. So perhaps that's one way that you could express that, Rindy Rindisman type of mentality, which which maybe to the wrong perspective makes them seem kind of cold and more analytical un, uh, until you actually get that um and until until you actually get to learn how, that that like that's just how they that's just how they do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so certainly there would be that almost a culture shock of yeah. wait you didn't even ask me how I'm doing and you want to sell me something. Yeah, no, I don't think so. But what you have is really neat. <laughs> so yeah, you could have some interesting encounters that way. Um, how about notable people and or places? So we talked about the gathering place. We will have to do some more thinking about what that looks like. And we also have the noble Ithandir that I just invented a couple minutes ago. Ithandir. Uh, places, other places. So we, we talked about the Shrine of the Scouring Wind. And the ancient feasting hole with the sacred pool under it. Mm-hmm. Um, how about the shipyards of some place? We'll have to come up with a name, but we could go with... Um, Rothfain. Sure. <laughs> uh, we, we could have it almost set inland in a, a sheltered bay that's heavily guarded. And what about, ooh, how about this? All the tribes contribute their top craftsmen to this place, realizing that it is the major source of protection for the country. So they, if somebody shows aptitude for carving or for working with wood in some way and shipbuilding and that sort of thing, they're immediately tasked with joining. It's almost like a a defense contract. (laughs) Kind of like, um, conscripted service. Like almost, but yeah, you like, if you have the skills, you have to work here for a certain amount of time for your country. And then you can go, but there's also great, there's also great, um, honor associated with this because 
it's a very select group and they do a lot of work while they're there. Now this tells me then that there has to be some amount of forest throughout the country also. I can kind of see like lots of evergreen trees or just yeah, yeah, coniferous trees just growing along the mountain sides and there has to be some amount of hardwoods because that's what really stands up to uh, heavy water use. So there's got to be a good amount of hardwood forests somewhere, maybe along the spine, maybe there are valleys and those valleys are just thick with forests along this north south corridor. Yeah. Uh obviously evergreens do grow at elevation and so you're going to have a lot of that too. But that would be more for homes or decoration or that kind of thing. The softer wood just doesn't hold up to the uh, to the worms that live in the water and bore into the hulls of the ships. Mm. Um inventions anything that they are really known for. I think Nautical equipment. Okay, uh, so maybe some kind of board that they can use to navigate by star? Something like that, or some sort of rudimentary compass. And not not like the kind that we have today, but just some sort of thing that... We could come up with some kind of contraption yeah. that we say works. It doesn't really need to. Because magic. <laughs> because another world. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because fantasy. Um... I think when we talked about this, we actually called, but informally when we were talking about it before recording months ago now, we we talked about calling the Rendisman Raiders sea wolves. Hmm. And so the idea of this pack of wolves descending on a helpless community somewhere else, uh, that, that was a, a pretty evocative image for me. So to, here in this world, we talk about sea dogs and all that, but I just thought sea wolves yar, just har, sounded, har. it sounded uh, pretty neat. Or and maybe so, they have uh, specialized horns that sound like the howling of wolves. Mm, yeah, that sounds that they, good. That they blow uh, before they, you know, land. Before the hull of the ship crunches into the, the pebbles of the shore, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then maybe... I don't know. Maybe there's a heavy concentration of barbarians in this country. Yes. Because of the tribal existence. Barbarians and fighters. Like, you know, you have the barbarians, which are maybe... So, like, maybe the majority of the warriors in Rendis are fighters, but a very, but a very few are actually barbarians, where they, they like, you know, kind of like the berserkers. And maybe they do have bear shirts, like Berserkers did. Hence, they got their name. That could very well be. Um, yeah, that would be interesting. So now we're starting to look at possible, almost stereotypes for different countries, where if you want a mage, you go to this country, or, you know... I guess countries become renowned for the mindset associated the with class the class that they pop out, that they churn out. Yeah, that may be a, a bit of a simplification, uh, this whole idea here. But generally speaking, I think when people are going to think of fierce raiders, they're going to think of Rindis. Yes. How about culture? I think we've we've talked a bit about this, you know, the idea of 
tribal, uh, what, what about holidays or special holy days, that kind of thing? Hmm. Well, I mean, I, I don't really have many ideas because I don't know much about Norse culture in general. Well, we could have celebration of the longest day and celebration of the shortest day of the year, just like we have or the celebration of no day. Ah, because they're far enough north. And so there, again, there could be sacrifices or um, some kind of honor to the gods that appeals for the return of the sun. And so there's a lot of either superstition or true religious belief that there is a need for these rituals. And then the Aurora Borealis, that's the bridge to the gods drag the Asgard backwards. (laughs) Uh. (laughs) Well, yeah, who knows? Um, And a lot of their stories could revolve around warmth and food, warmth and plenty. So Mm -hmm. when, when they're telling stories, attainment of true comfort and happiness isn't honor. It isn't glory. It isn't riches. It's having a full belly and a comfortable place to sleep. The one thing that the Rindisman don't have. (laughs) We won't say that they don't have it. It's just that it's hard to come by. Mm -hmm. Not very common. And even amongst, let's say the, um, the leadership that the tribal chiefs, even they, live in pretty rude conditions and especially the ones who are proud of their heritage and their history. Uh, they actually make a point of living like everyone else. Yeah, definitely. I mean, what, what kind of, cause, cause I, I see, I see the leaders of each clan being more like, like being more of kind of a general more than a governor, a king. Yeah. yeah. Not, not yeah, Less a king, more the one who leads the charge into battle. He, um, because you know, I mean, I mean you, you don't want to follow a guy in the battle who just sits around all day eating Norse food goodies, <laughs> <laughs> Norse goodies. Yeah. Uh, so what about, um, the idea of the straw death? And so we, we oh, look at, yeah. the, uh, it's better to go down in battle with a sword in your hand than it is to die in a peaceful time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that would lead to a whole mentality of. I'm on the lookout for fights. So maybe like a, a lot of the warriors are actually more older people because, because, you know, they've been brought up this whole time, you know, being taught and knowing and learning, you know, it's better to go out in a sword fight or just in a raid than to die of old age or sickness. And so maybe you have a lot of, the elders who are still warriors. Yeah. And those are the ones you really have to look out for. Oh yeah. Because they're the ones who have survived through fight after fight after fight. They're the ones who are covered in crisscross scars mm-hmm. or missing fingers or eyes or all of their teeth or whatever. Yeah. The, whatever the case, those are the ones that you have to really look out for because they have survived this long. And maybe that could lead to a, a kind of cultural thing where uh, every warrior has some some kind of nickname based off of some distinguishing feature about them, usually attained during battle, like uh, some some quirk about their fighting style or some injury that they've sustained, or how they act in battle, or how they act in battle, yeah. any number of things. So that could be an interesting aspect too. Like this here's my brother 
Bob No Face. <laughs> yeah, there there are all sorts of possibilities. Um, hmm. Yeah, and again, we can come back to cultural aspects at some point. We talked a little bit about exports and imports. They would need import-wise. I would say they rely mostly on themselves for timber. Yeah, I can I can kind of see just the Rindisman mainly being self-sufficient. I can't, I can't see them being like, hey, guys, we need like more material goods and stuff. Because, of course, being a, a race of warriors, either they don't they don't want comfort or what comforts they do want, they get through raids. Okay, and so perhaps as the world begins to change, as the mentality of the South, and maybe there's a, a really big mental division between North and South in this country. Yeah. The North sees the South as weak and effeminate, and the South sees the North as a bunch of meat-headed thugs. Savages, almost. Yeah, and so maybe there's even that internal tension... But slowly, as the comforts of the outside world begin to filter into southern Rendis and disperse up north and people begin to realize, hmm, yeah, it's soft, but boy, I sure do like having this nice satiny cloth. Yeah, it'd be nice to put some leather on my axe handles so I don't <laughs> get splinters during the raid. Yeah, whatever the case, uh, I think we are seeing... We'll, we'll gradually see this spread of the southern mentality up north and still a lot of that poking back and forth between them, but a kind of almost like a, a reluctant acceptance of southern ways. So we could have a pretty strong divide that way. Uh, that could be part of the culture also. Yeah. And characters coming into the southern part of the country and saying, yeah, we need to get up to the north. You have a lot of people, a lot of Rendisman say, oh, oh yeah. Uh, about that. We're going to apologize in advance. <laughs> we are so sorry. Yeah. We don't know them all that well. They're the crazy uncle of the country. <laughs> They're not related to us. Um, you know what? I really do want some more time to read some of those edits part two part two get a better sense of what kinds of things are in them how they talk about heroes how they talk about maybe even mythological aspects of the culture and having that i'd love to come back and revisit this maybe even um try and come up with a story a, a particular story that the rindisman like to tell on those long winter nights so that'd be a lot of fun Mm-hmm. And it would, I think that would translate well to a wiki also. Yes. And we've mentioned this before. We'll mention it again. If you are enjoying our show, if you're enjoying even this particular episode where we're just really throwing ideas around uh, and you're seeing our process a little bit, uh, feel free to go in and take a look at our wiki. And we'll have that in the show notes also. But on top of that, feel free to edit the wiki. If you're listening to our show and uh, you want to help us out, it would help us immensely if you go in and uh, bring some things up to date or if we forgot a detail, add it in, that kind of thing. We'd love to see that kind of participation. Um, 
and eventually this <laughs> once one of us gets the time we're going to try and see about getting the content of this talk into the wiki also as we continue to consider the growth of Rindis as a country but I think for the most part we're going to say that this one is pretty good um, do you have anything else that came to mind while we were talking anything you want to share not really no yeah so I think next time we'll just you know after listening to this and playing around with some ideas we may come back with a little better idea of what's in the country but in the past Thane and I have done this kind of thing on walks out in the neighborhood or whatever just talking back and forth and throwing these ideas sometimes they're good sometimes they're horrible <laughs> and the horrible ones that's the great thing we can just say you know what we don't need that or it's too complicated or it's not complex enough or whatever the case and so we just discard it but the I, I wanted our listeners to be able to hear our process and so I encourage you if you're running a game or you're trying to come up with your own world find a friend who's interested in this talk to them and just do this don't worry about good ideas bad ideas just everything is an idea and as you build together you'll find that out of it you're going to start seeing a structure form out mm -hmm. of it, you're going to start seeing ideas come that you would not have thought of otherwise. When you let yourself think freely and good and bad are no longer a part of the equation, it's amazing what comes out of it. A couple of the things today that we talked about, I would never have thought of just sitting around thinking about it in my head. So I appreciate it, Thane. Thanks for being a part of this. No problem. And we will try this again soon. And... Uh, Talk about it with us on Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. Is this helpful? Is this something that you could use? Tell us. Uh, our handle is at Stack of Dice. And just uh, drop us a note. Let us know if this helped you or if you have questions about our process, anything like that. We'd love to hear from you. We're also now on Instagram. And we are picking up followers really quickly. I'm impressed yeah. with how quickly that's going. Shocking how fast that is. Yeah, basically in a week we're up to about 40 followers. <laughs> And it's just amazing. We're already almost eclipsing our much longer Twitter presence. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just because more people are on Instagram. But um, anyway, we'd love to hear from you. Let us know your thoughts. And we will see you again here at Stack of Dice.